Welcome to Pathways to Rural Prosperity, the podcast that explores the inspiring stories, strategies, and insights behind the growth and success of rural communities. We're excited to present our spinoff series, Espresso with Entrepreneurs, where we're brewing up captivating conversations with remarkable entrepreneurs who are making a real difference in their rural communities. Whether you're a budding entrepreneur, an advocate for rural development, or simply curious about the transformative power of community-driven initiatives, Espresso with Entrepreneurs will inform, inspire, and equip you on your own journey towards a brighter, more prosperous future. Join me, Leanne Seiler, as we embark on this adventure, coffee in hand, uncovering the stories that shape our rural communities and exploring the many pathways to rural prosperity. Friends, you're really in for a special treat today. I don't even want to take too long introducing today's guest because I want to make sure that we have enough time for you to listen and learn and be inspired by Mr. Talbert. Clifton Talbert's website says he could have failed had he not encountered community builders and entrepreneurial thinkers early on in his life. He was born on the Mississippi Delta during the era of legal segregation, where he completed his secondary education. Though opportunities were few and barriers were plentiful, Talbert managed to dream of being successful, not knowing the shape his success would take. Today, Talbert is the president and CEO of the Fremont Corporation, a human capital development company serving clients nationally and internationally, Fortune 500 companies, small businesses, federal agencies, professional organizations, community colleges, and K-12 leadership. Additionally, He's the president and CEO of Roots Java Coffee, an African-American-owned national coffee brand importing coffee from Africa. Good morning, Clifton. Good morning. At this time, I usually ask guests if they have their coffee in their hand and what their favorite kind of coffee is. <laughs> That's a good question. No, coffee is not at hand this morning, but if I just step 15 steps further away, I will be in the smell of great coffee beans. And I'm guessing it is Roots Java. It would be Roots Java. So, well, I am beyond excited to visit with you today and share your incredible story with our listeners. First, though, I wanted to share a story of how I came to know you and your work. I remember it well. I was in Salina, Kansas at a presentation about this new program called Ice House for Entrepreneurs, and they used the book, Who Owns the Ice House, that you co-wrote with Gary Shoniger. There was going to be a training at the Kauffman Foundation in just a few months for people who wanted to learn to be facilitators for the program, and it had limited seating. So I'm a little bit embarrassed to admit it. Maybe the statute of limitations is up, but I I snuck out just a few minutes early (laughs) to beat the crowd and called to enroll from my car. (laughs) Once I enrolled, I started trying to figure out how I was going to finance it, and that was before it was a board-certified program through Network Kansas. So if I remember correctly, I made the call and secured the funding from our partners at Black Hills Energy. And I remember telling Gabe that the program sounded really incredible. And then I thought it would be a game changer in our Southwest Kansas communities. And it definitely has. Fast forward a few years, my then sophomore daughter in high school qualified for the State Youth Entrepreneurship Challenge at Fort Hayes State University. And you were the keynote speaker. While there, I remember you went around and visited with and encouraged each participant and Network Kansas gave them all each a copy of their own book. And at one point in the day, everybody was supposed to come back to the main hall for presentations and my daughter didn't show up. And I sat there getting more and more frustrated that she wasn't there on time listening to the pitches when she slipped in with the biggest smile, showed me your business card for Rich Java and quietly whispered, I got him all to myself. (laughs) I think you even told her about your son Marshall's clothing business. It was so cool. Better than meeting a rock star backstage. And she'll never forget that. Well, you know, it all comes down to what I think is the major component of entrepreneurial efforts and endeavors. That is that people matter. It would be so easy to 
to allow busyness to get in the way of talking to your daughter. But at the same time, when you understand and really believe that people matter, speaking with your daughter was just as important as speaking with yourself or the president of the organization. Because the future is not someone on Mars or Saturn or Venus, but the future is your daughter. That's the future. And if we don't have time for the future, how can we honestly enjoy the present? Absolutely. Well, I've been really struggling on where to start our conversation today. You have so much knowledge and inspiration to share. And when I knew that I was going to get to visit with you, I think I said this the other day when we were talking about it, but I I went out and ordered all the rest of your books because I only had one and and they haven't all arrived yet. But I think I've one, two, three, I think I've read five so far. And one just arrived this morning, the separate but equal. And so I just got your essay read and looked at the pictures, but I didn't get the whole book read just yet. I got to thinking that we could start with a line in your book, shift your thinking that I think is so important. There will always be a starting line and it's usually right where you are. I think so often people think it's too early. I'll pursue that dream when I'm older and more established or worse yet, I'm too old to chase that dream. I love this line in the book. Can you talk more about starting where you stand? Well, one of the things that helps to promote that conversation is the word fear. Fear can become a companion that we don't ask for, but it shows up anyway. And when fear shows up, it keeps us wondering when, what, and where. Uh, How come, how much, how many. We're asking questions, but none of the questions are moving us forward. And when I say starting where you stand, I mean, it's almost like planting your feet here. This is where I am. I'm not at this other place. I want to get to that other place. But in order to get to that other place, you really have to commit yourself to making the first steps where you are, because that's what I had to do. You know, as a child growing up in the Mississippi Delta, picking, chopping, cotton, working in the fields, that was our way of living. But it was also the place in which my feet were planted. I had to start making my steps into my future there, that there was a future at the end of that road, at the end of that field. There was something that I didn't see that I could experience. In other words, feet can be here, but your mindset can take you to another place. So why not start where you are? Dreaming of who you are, who you want to be, and what you wish to accomplish. You can do that without any interruption right where you are. Get on the track of thinking that this is my life. This is the one I have. I want to make it the best life possible, not just for me, but for whomever I can touch as we pass through life together. I think I remember how old you were when you made that discovery or that decision. When I could have been any more than 12 or 13. Yeah, that's pretty young for that to hit you. And it was the red top cab. Yes, that's one of my favorite stories because the red top cab would come off highway number one into our little small community. But the only time it would show up if relatives from who had either moved up north or out west come home for the summer visit. And they would be seated in the back seat of the red top cab. That, to me, indicated you have arrived. You have accomplished something. You've graduated from high school, maybe even college. Gone on and got your master's. Got a good job. You got the extra money. You don't have to call your cousin Johnny to come and pick you up at the airport. No airport, but at the train station. You just said you had to send a note. Tell them I will be at the train station at this such and such a time, such and such a date. But if you had money extra money to spend, 
You wouldn't call your cousin Johnny. You surprise everybody by coming home, driven from Greenville, Mississippi to Glen Allen in the red top cab. And I said to myself, one day, Clifton, you're going to be able to afford cab fare from Greenville to Glen Allen. I could see myself as a kid sitting in the backseat of that red top cab, headed home to visit family and friends. I think that visualization, any of us, for you, it was a red top cab. Sometimes people will picture a place they want to be in their mind and they visualize it and they continually visualize it. And every day, that's my goal. I'm thinking about that. It's what I'm doing, putting me closer to that goal and continually having that top of mind. I love that. Well, one of the things you just said that's really important, closer to. In order to get closer to, you have to start. Starting gets you closer to. Oftentimes, we become so enamored by the possibilities, which is right, that we also talk ourselves out of making that first step because our possibilities are so different than our reality at the moment. But in order to get to where you got to go, you got to start. And what better place to start than where you stand? Absolutely. One other thing I wanted to ask you about was the porch people. This concept is amazing, especially with my work through Network Kansas. We talk about mentorships and sometimes the language is different. It really brought it home. When you were young that sat on their porches and visited with you, especially there was one story where you were in a hurry to get somewhere. I remember something from Mapoke and you were on your way to get it and people just kept wanting to talk to you. And it's like, oh man, I got to go do this. I said I would do it, but you know, I need to be polite. These are my elders. I'm going to stop and talk to them along the way. Can you talk about the relationship between your porch people and the mentoring that you received at such a young age and how that has impacted your life? And along with that, how you are mentoring other young people. You know, the idea of the porch people, that literally is the transformative act that included Uncle Cleve from the Ice House and so many others. But to me, it was a group of people whose lives had been predetermined, but their dreams had not been. Their lives had been, and there's a difference between the two. And for their children, those who were born on their ship, they wanted the very best for them. But as a young man growing up, I had the opportunity to either embrace them or discount them. I could run with my buddies, or I would stop and talk to the old man sitting under the apple tree to find out what he had to say. For whatever reason, and I'll never know, at least at this point in my life, why I was so enamored by older people. But I always thought they were the best. And I always found myself listening very closely. And as I listened closely to them, they became closer to me. And in so doing, my future became part of their steps forward. It was as if they were seeing themselves move upward as a result of this young boy who's taking the time to listen, going to school, bringing the report card to them, for them to look at the report card. It was just not my parents and my great aunt who raised me, but the whole, whole community seemed to have had an idea that we were invested in your future because you will be able to do what we were not. And we want you to really make it. And as a result of that, the porch people became that cadre of elders that literally kept me focused and kept me focused on a future that I could not see, but one that they believed for me. And as a result of that, I'm talking to you today. It's clearly the porch people who made this conversation possible. We all need more porch people in our lives. Yeah, we all do. 
I guess I'm getting a little bit off of what we were going to talk about, but this is so interesting. So your books, oh, Little Cliff, First Day at School, and different things like that, really children's books. But honestly, as an adult, there are values to be learned in these books. And the work that you do with the Ice House and the work that you do, gosh, I just forgot the name of it. There's a, a mentoring type project that I read online that you're involved in. And your son, your son, Marshall, he's doing amazing things in New York. It sounds like you really pour a lot of yourself into giving back to other young people. Yeah. In fact, even today, when I finish here, a young man from Vietnam, we were at a meeting and he said, I'd like to see you again, Mr. Talbert. And I was really surprised. And he called and said, when he said, I'll be on semester break. And can we go to lunch or breakfast or something? And he's a young guy. But I realized that I really relished the idea when other people my age and older embrace my son and give him time. And I realized I call that my payback to them is for me making myself available to others as well. I may not know the Vietnamese language. We'll have something to talk about. And sometimes it's the conversation, but oftentimes it's the power of your presence. Oftentimes we undervalue our human presence. And we don't quite realize just how important it is for your presence to literally touch the life of another person. You may not have a long conversation. You may not have cooked a chocolate cake to give them, but you may be able to shake their hand, hold a conversation, smile when you talk, mean it when you do. All of those things matter to another human being because those are the qualities that come in and make us and shape us and push us forward into a world that perhaps we could not have imagined otherwise. Clifton, when we were trying to connect and set a date to record this podcast, you said something that really struck me. And I heard it last month as well when we interviewed Dave Hill. But you said something to the effect of, this is hard work. Anyone who thinks entrepreneurship is easy is wrong. You're always busy trying to stay on top of things. And I think you called when you were getting on a plane and you were going back home to get some things figured out with some equipment at Risk Java and things. I know that Steve Radley from Network Kansas has echoed that also saying, I think too often entrepreneurship is romanticized. It's hard work. And I agree. I have a small bed and breakfast. And so often people will say that must be so much fun, you know, fluffing pillows and putting out chocolates and things. And you just kind of want to laugh. It's like, well, it's all a toilet scrubbing <laughs> and things that aren't very much fun and some early and late hours. What are your thoughts on all the hard work involved in entrepreneurship and how do we encourage people as they're going through that? I think that's what this podcast was designed for, the, you know, to support and encourage and inspire entrepreneurs as they're kind of going through the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. But I want to get this t-shirt that says something like, it's the entrepreneurial cha-cha, two steps forward and one step back. You know, it's hard work. There's no doubt about it. Once you decide to do something, and I really watched this up close with my son because I never really imagined him to be the guy that realized that 24-7 could mean that he'd be working all 24-7. Hard work has another word that really supports it in a great way. It's called effort. And I tell my son, I said, you can have a dream. You can have a vision. But if there's no effort expended, nothing will happen. And effort really is the sum total of hard work. And hard work doesn't mean that you're sweating all the time or you're lifting that bale, holding that sack. But what it does mean that you're always focused on what you want to accomplish. If you have clients, you have to really put your clients first. 
to make sure that what you're bringing to the table is what they want. This is what they will purchase. This is what they will need. And you're giving it that stamp of excellence. As I tell my son, you be the judge of excellence and set those standards and don't deviate from your standards of excellence. He will call me with a product that has been done for his clothing company. And they put the stitch was just slightly off center. He said, now, Dad, I'm going to lose money, but I'm going to have this redone. He said, in all likelihood, my client may not even know that the zipper is off center, but I know it's off center. And when I heard him say that, I realized that effort and hard work, hard work sometimes is mental hard work. Sometimes it is changing and going backwards so that you can move forward differently. But it's not something that you sit at your table with a cup of coffee and a slice of cake and just go, dap, 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 and it is work. But at the end of the day, when someone says, I love this. Now, for my son at the New York Fashion Week, one of his idols is Ralph Lauren. And Ralph Lauren and all of their team were there from Europe. They spent time with my son, literally helping him to understand that he had chosen a very classic look. And that made his day because he said, Dad, I want to really remove him from his position. He, so he's taking Italian. I mean, he will be a fluent Italian speaker in probably less than six months. He said, I want to tell Ralph myself that I have become the new guy with classics. But he's working all the time. Marsha, can you go do this? Dad, I can't. I got to go down to this shop. They're doing the embroidery. I got to check that out. It's like time becomes your ally. But if you don't use time, it'll be your worst enemy. But if you use time, it becomes your ally. How would people learn more about you to follow up with just this little taste that we've had today? We never even got to your history with Stairmaster or any of those things. And I knew that would happen. I knew we'd run out of time. But how would people connect with you or learn more about you after this podcast? I would like to stay in contact with you guys. I have so much respect for the work that you all are doing in the hearts and minds that you're touching. You know, maybe we'll just our podcast too again at some point in time. And we will just get on that online and just start where we left off. That's amazing. In fact, that makes me feel really good because I was kind of starstruck today and really nervous about this. So maybe the next time I wouldn't be so nervous. But one thing, do we have time to say one thing on Eight Habits of the Heart on the porch people? Yes. I first introduced that to the world in Frankfurt, Germany. But the irony is I was literally giving the lecture in the hunting lodge that had been built for Adolf Hitler. This is where he stayed, and this is where I spoke. And I talked about the power of an engaged community and how the habits will help you to make that. And even for those of us who are on an entrepreneurial journey, always remember, people matter. So community becomes just as viable in an entrepreneurial pursuit as anything else does. Build community, build relationships, solid relationships that you can call at three o'clock in the morning and say, what do you think? Solid relationship that will tell you what you've done is absolutely incredibly wrong. However, if you do this, you might make it. We really don't need as many pats on the back as we do people who are just totally enamored by what we're doing, but to the point that they want it to be perfect as well as you do. And that's what I like. My friends say, Clifton, I really like what you said, but maybe we need to change this. 
I do it a little bit different way or something along those lines. That's part of it. That's, you know, I always said that so much in our country, the entrepreneurs seem to have started in their garage. But every story, there's more than one person in the garage. You need people. Absolutely. Thank you again. This has been amazing. And it's been wonderful having you for a guest. I have one question that I always want to leave time for, for all of our guests at the very end. But if you had one, your last comment might've been it, (laughs) but if you had one single piece of advice for entrepreneurs, especially young entrepreneurs, what would it be? That advice would be you're on the right track. Don't run beyond the track, stay on track and make sure that you're bringing someone along with you. People matter. Excellent advice. Well, thank you, Clifton. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for all of our listeners, for all that they do in our rural communities to make this world a better place. And we'd like to have you join us again next month as we continue one another on our entrepreneurial journeys over coffee. 